Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. Hey, what's up, Blazer fans? Welcome to the Blazer's Edge podcast. I am Tara Bowen Biggs, joined as always by Blazer's outsider, Danny Morang. Danny, how's it going? You're not Tara Bowen Biggs. I'm not? You're not. You're, you're team mom. Okay. Well, team mom, Tara Bowen Biggs. People know, people know who I am, and they know who you are. I think they think you're two different people. Really? I, I think so. I don't know that. I am Tara Bone Biggs, also known as Team Mom, here with Blazers outsider, Danny Morang. <laughs> Can we continue now? Because oh. I got some Ennis Anna, Anna, Cantor talk I want to take care of. Nah. All right, fine. Let's get to it. I, you know, the Oscars were on tonight and all I could think about has how I needed to get home from vacation and start watching Blazer highlights. I didn't care who was getting what Oscars. I just wanted to like lay my eyes on how the team has been playing over the last two games because I've been out of town and I didn't have access to watch the games. I All I had was the ESPN app, which was like a total lifesaver. You know, the GameCaster thing. Have you ever watched a game on that before? I, 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 I have. You know, I, I hate to say this. You know, if you're if you get Internet access, Tara, you, you do have a, uh, a friend and a co-host who uh, works for the network that broadcasts the games who could probably get you a login to watch the game. Well, I appreciate that, Dan, but I was in the car and only on a data plan uh, ah. for the Brooklyn game. Killing so. Me. That was that was how come I was in that situation. Although I did follow the game and do a dramatic interpretation of the game cast for everybody in the car with me because we were on a road trip. So I was reading off all of, you know, because they do the play by play and you get to watch it. And then they have like a little cartoon of the ball going into the net. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So I was keeping everybody apprised of how the Blazers were doing. And I think my husband was the only person in the car who really cared. Everybody else had their headphones on. But I'm sure through their headphones, they could sense my excitement because there was a lot of good stuff going on these last two games since All-Star break. Yep. There have been a few things that have happened. That's that's for sure. <laughs> so I was worried that I was too excited about Ennis Cantor. I was afraid that I was going to be disappointed and it was just going to be like, meh. But... In my mind, he has absolutely lived up to what I was hoping he was going to do and then some. Uh, so tell me what your initial impressions are. Uh, he's a big guy who's incredibly skilled in the paint and he likes to get rebounds. I mean, <laughs> he's basically lived up to every last bit of that or he's just going to sit there and be big, do good things and uh, not really need a lot set up for him other than the ball in his hands. Well, you talked about how this move by the Blazers, this signing showed that they were choosing offense. Mm -hmm. And so I've been like mulling that over all weekend and what that means. And I think it's really exciting because when you look at, you know, Cantor, I was like, okay, so Cantor's obviously a really good offensive rebounder and he's also really good at second chance points. And so I assumed 
that that those were places where the Blazers were lacking. And so they were trying to bring Cantor in to make up for a lack that they had in those things. But that's not true at all. Absolutely fine in those departments. They are they were like number seven, I think, in I don't know. They were they were like very let's see now I haven't written down. I don't want to speak out of turn. You had like a literal like actual the Twitter version of like, you know, little asterisks, checks notes. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Seventh yeah. in offensive rating, fifth in offensive rebounding percentage, tenth in points per game, and fourth in second chance points. So I thought they're bringing in Cantor for offensive rebounding and second chance points because they're not very good, but they're already very good in those things. They've just brought in a way to even further extend their possessions because, you know, they they have some shooters who are really good shooters but are streaky and bringing in somebody, especially to play with the second unit, who can extend those possessions if somebody's not having a good shooting night. It's just it's, there's just going to be buckets everywhere. I'm so excited. Yeah, no, it, it's it's going to be really, really nice as far as, I mean, how many teams can handle Yusuf Nurkic by themselves? A couple. How many teams can handle an, an Ennis Cantor by themselves? Oh, probably a few more. But 48 minutes of either one of those guys on the floor just kicking your ass five feet and in over and over and over. Or if you're Ben Simmons and lucky enough to, royal, to rile up Yusuf Nurkic, have him knock down jumpers in your face. So, um, yeah, it's well, and we have there's Cantor going against the second units as well. Yeah, I mean, there's that added bonus <laughs> that he's not even going against the first units; he's going against the second units. And, and Cantor is like, don't get me wrong, Cantor has his warts, but offensively, he's a better post player, a better finisher, um, a more consistent producer underneath the rim than Nurkic. Nurkic can do things that I think that that Cantor can't like on the high end that Cantor can't do. What do you mean specifically? Uh, just some of the, some of the, the, the moves that you see Nurkic pull out. Um, there was one against Philadelphia where he hit like a, a falling away off balance, right-handed floater and one. And you're just like, I, how did you, how, wait, what? It's, it's just, Seven foot, two hundred ninety pound dude should not be able to do those things. He had a, I saw the highlight of a three hundred and sixty degree uh, turnaround. Yeah, he had this. That's what I mean. Like he he has innate ability, whereas Cantor, while he has, certainly has a, a wealth of ability, it's more about consistency and not necessarily the like, oh my god, holy crap, look at this. It's just, hey, look at me, drop, step, spin, and finish over you over and over and over again. Where Nurkic isn't quite as consistent, but he has a ability to go completely nutty and just get, hit the highlight material. Yeah. Well, and certainly the other teams are now don't have a minute off when it comes to uh, being pounded off or, you know, w- with Blazers offense when in the center position. But Cantor came with a big asterisk on defense. Mm-hmm. So I would like to dig into that and uh, ask you – why do people say that Cantor is bad at defense? Exactly. What is it that he can't or that he doesn't do or that he does wrong or whatever that make people say that? He, even though he's listed as essentially the same size as Nurkic, he doesn't take up as much space. Mm-hmm. Like if you see them next to each other. You're like, yeah, those are both very, very large human beings. 
But there's something about Nurkic that allows him to get bigger and be bigger, and he has a bigger presence around the rim. Um, foot speed-wise, they're probably close to the same, even if they're not totally there. Um, Cantor, for whatever reason, is just a step slower Like when, when it really matters, particularly defensively. You could say it's a natural reactions or, or delayed in the reactions, or Nurkic has a better ability when it comes to anticipation and, and, and making reads, or maybe it's just effort. But Cantor is not a guy who really, really gets after it on that end. Here's the other thing, though. He's not the worst defender in the world. So it, it's not like it's something they have to really, really struggle with um, with him in there as far as game plan-wise. And realistically, and this is what we, we talked about a couple weeks ago when they acquired Cantor, it's, it's not to the point, like detrimentally, that he is giving up more than he's getting. Like he's he's he, right now he's getting like eighteen and nine. He's basically giving you a twenty and ten off the bench, which we're we're not expecting that. I'm not expecting that. You're not expecting that, are you? Oh, I would love it, but no. Uh, yeah, but I have no. I, I still have no idea what to expect out of him. <laughs> I think I'm, I'm probably closer to like thirteen and seven. I, I think that's probably fair. And beyond that, if it gets if it gets larger than that, awesome, great, grand. I mean, I, I'd, I'd be thrilled. I just but watching I, him feast against these second units, though. And granted, these second units are, were not the strongest that no. he's been up against. So we'll talk about that in a minute. With other uh, other second units. Yeah, if Portland's getting twenty offensive rebounds a night, um, it's it's going to be a very 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 long night for either or any opponent. You know what I mean? That's just that's just the reality of it. Mm-hmm. But so on defense, where do you feel like he is this the strongest? Do you feel like he's strongest like in transition, in pick and roll defense, in just like playing deep? You know, underneath is he better? You know, when he gets to come out and play help defense, where do you think some of his strengths in that department are? <laughs> Most of that is a no. Okay. <laughs> it's, uh... He's he's passable in most places. You okay. don't want to put him in pick and roll situations above the free throw line. You want to treat him very much the same as Yusuf Nurkic, and because he's got a big body, you just want to let him be a big body at the rim. Realistically, that's what you want to do. You're not you don't want to rely on him defensively. And I think something you and I were talking about before we started recording is that the Blazers have pushed so much towards offense now that they're just saying, okay. We're just, we're gonna just gonna be gonna so much better. Yeah, we're just gonna be so much better offensively that it just doesn't matter. And so, once we get to that point, then I mean, of course, the the, the problem with that is the the nights where that offense may or may not disappear, right? Mm-hmm. So, the, the, I think the the thing that you're looking forward to if you're if you're Portland here is they're going to offense when the offense that they're getting isn't shooting. It's just finishing at the rim. And I think that's a lot more reliable and consistent than, you know, some of the shooting that they could have picked up on the market. So when they play against teams that, you know, you know, that they end up just getting, you know, eaten alive in the interior and they need to bring in somebody who's a stronger defender. Is that when you think, Collins will see the court again. I mean, you were absolutely right. I thought that Collins was going to continue to play the four alongside Cantor. He hasn't seen the court except for the end of garbage time in the 76ers yeah. game. Um, but is he somebody that you could see them coming out in certain situations? 
Yeah, I can see him coming out in, in certain situations, but really, Zach's defense isn't necessarily that as a paint protector as much as it is a, a help side defender or a pick and roll defender. He's he's not yet ready to be the full on like interior presence primary rim protector. Like the, he has that potential still, sure, but I he doesn't. And this is this isn't just just true of Zach's. This is true of basically anybody in the NBA right now. Unless you were a all-world defender, like you're a Kawhi Leonard or, uh, heck, even a Clay Thompson, a guy who's a multi-positional stopper, it just doesn't matter. Like You have to be on that level to justify being on the floor right now defensively because offense is just too important because of the, the, the freedom of movement stuff. It's it's next to impossible to be a phenomenal defender right now and not give it up in one place or another enough to compensate for being a less than average offensive player. So yeah, so defense alone just there's it just leaves too much of a gap in the scoring. Mm-hmm. If you, if all you're doing is playing defense, what if the other team goes small? Is Cantor too? How how would he? You know, would Collins be a better fit in that sort of a situation because he's more mobile, maybe? Um, perhaps. But even then, we saw instead of um, matching like for like, Stotts did something against Philadelphia the other day that was I thought was really cool and really unique that we had seen. And instead of going to Collins, he went with Dame, Nurk, Layman, Amino, and Harkless. So six one, seven foot, and then a bunch of six nine. <laughs> Dudes who were interchangeable defensively, rim runners and three point shooters. Like, so, so Stotts held on to his big guy. He he said, "We're gonna just yeah. keep our seven footer in, and we're gonna fill the rest with long rangey wings." Yeah, and the crazy thing was in that game against Philadelphia, it was the third highest pace of, in particular, for use of Nurkic. Meaning, when he was on the floor, they were going. And in that that period, when those five were on the floor. Let's, th- let's think about this for a second. If you have Dame, Jake, Aminu, Mo, and Nurkic on the floor at the same time, and you're playing in the half court, how effective do you think the offense would be? I I'm, I don't know what you what I'm supposed to answer there. I mean, <laughs> re- realistically, how many guys can and can in that of those five who can create their own shot? Well, any of those guys can create their own shot. Whether or not that's the best course of action, but they've all shown that they can. <laughs> Yeah, that's what I'm saying here is that the reality is is that most of these guys aren't consistent shot creators, so it's not going to really work out all that great for them. So they get their, – their, their way to compensate with this is pushing the pace, getting after it. So we see Nurkic running the floor. We see uh, uh, Jake running the floor. We see Aminu running the floor. We see Harkless running the floor. I can't remember a game where uh, Mo and Aminu got more dunks than that that Philadelphia game. Like you get one dunk in a game from those guys and you're like, all right, awesome. Great. Grand. Woo. You got both of them throwing down dunks. You got Jake posing after dunks. You got Nurkic running the floor, flexing on people. Like it was absolutely phenomenal. And I'm not saying it's something that you can go to regularly, but it was a hell of an adjustment and a nice fork in the eye of all the people out there who starts as a terrible coach. Listen, folks, he does. He's doing more. He's experimenting more. He's he's willing to try new things now because he has more guys who can do more things. Mm-hmm. And when guys actually start delivering, he starts giving them those options. So it, for for me at least, I was thrilled with what I saw. 
So the lineup that you were just talking about doesn't have anything to do with Cantor. That was, you know, uh, that that was with Nurkic in the lineup. How do you see um, other lineups developing? Like, how long are they going to experiment? Really, like, how much time do they have to experiment with lineups with Cantor or with Nurkic or with anybody before they have to like start, you know, getting ready for the playoffs? I mean, I think they're they're there. I think their their nine man rotation is there, um, it, and I think the coin toss is going to be between Seth and Evan. Uh, I know a lot of people who, when when they saw Evan was out, was like, "Well, Zach's going to get minutes now." And I realistically, I, I don't think he is. Like, I, I think he may get a few of his minutes back if Evan's out for a long period of time. But beyond that, I I think that they're looking more towards we know what our rotation is because Cantor's not a guy you necessarily need to work in with different units because he's he's very much the same in use of Nurkic as far as what you're expecting from him offensive rebounds where he's creating his own opportunities pick and roll where he's either where he's diving regularly because he's not really gonna pop I mean he, in, in, mm-hmm. <laughs> his first game out there his, his, his first miss was on a three right and it he was, wants to get as he, close yeah. as he can yeah so you, you know what you're gonna get from him and, and it, for these guys who have played with Nurkic for a couple of years now, they all know that, you know, where to kind of get going at. So I, I don't think there is it's necessarily about tinkering or, or trying to figure things out. I think it's really just about building the relationships between those players right now, mm-hmm. knowing what those timings are like. But beyond that, I, I think Stotts is just more willing to try things now because he's got more guys he can count on. Yeah, it's really uh, remarkable the suddenly the pieces that he has <laughs> to play with and how they're stepping. I mean, but the incredible thing too is, you know, I say this knowing that we have, you know, three games and the whole thing could go off the rails at any time. <laughs> but, but uh, you know, maybe it's because they're well rested. Maybe it's because they are in a situation where they're trying to work in more players, but they seem so focused and dialed in right now. You know, they're they're just but like I said, I have not actually seen these games yet. <laughs> so describe to me what it actually looked like, because I was watching the game cast and was like, you know, and I got to watch some um, I got to watch some highlights, um, but I didn't really see, you know, how the how the the form, you know, how it flowed the whole time. What one thing I did notice is at the beginning of that Brooklyn game, the Blazers were having a hard time hitting anything. Um, but the instead of like getting frustrated, they started blocking shots right and left. <laughs> and well, defensively they're 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 playing great. It was exci- it was like they it was like they decided, okay, look, we're just gonna play defense and keep shooting, and eventually they're gonna start falling and we will be dialed in already on defense. Yeah, there there are a couple things that I noticed that have happened. Um recently in that um on the offensive side of things in these first two games back Damian Lillard is not having to force the issue and I think that's phenomenal for this team having Damian Lillard still be a guy who can just drop a 40 piece on you is great having to rely on him to do that regularly is not great and I think for too long they were reliant on that. And when you've got a guy like you know, Endis Cantor, when you add a guy like Rodney Hood, when Jake Lehman is all of a sudden a viable part of the lineup and getting you production left, right, and center, 
it says a lot about what you can can and can't do with this team, right? So on the offensive end, what they're able to do, this is what I think where you're talking about your tinkering, right? They play their best, in my opinion, and will play their best when the ball is running through Yusuf Nurkic. They haven't quite done that yet. And I think trying to integrate Hood, uh, getting him some mid-post possessions, getting Ennis Cantor a little bit of time on the floor and running some more straight post-ups for him have pulled away from that a little bit. And I think that's where you might see some of that stuff as far as trying to develop those relationships. But the ball, even though it's not running through Nurkic, and this is like where I think things are a little bit more promising, the ball is still moving really well, Tara. And in the past, that wasn't the case. You're, you don't have Dame and CJ really having to work and hunt for shots. And I think this is where you were talking about looking for the playoffs. This is when it's the most important. Is that? And I, I think I've mentioned this on the podcast before. I've had multiple NBA players over the last couple of years all say the same thing when it comes to playing the Portland Trailblazers. They go after Damian Lillard late in games and in series, not because he's a bad defender. Not because he's this, that, or the other, but they go after him because of how hard he has to work offensively. And the crazy thing is, is that Damian Lillard's usage rate against Philadelphia in 30 minutes was his second lowest of the season. 17.3%. His highest usage rate of the season was against Sacramento in 37 minutes where he had almost a 40% usage rate. So, I mean, you, you, you want to talk about how stark of a contrast it is between when he's being relied upon to create everything and when he's not and when the team is really firing on all cylinders. And the thing is, and this will probably make some people really happy, is that in the games where Damian Lillard's usage rate is at its lowest, basically, I think it's the last time I looked, it's yeah, 25.4 and below. So just a shade over 25%. Uh, let's see, it was a 2, 4, 6, 8, 10, 12, 14, 15. They're, they're 14 and 1 in those wow. games. <laughs> they're 14 and 1. So basically, when Dane doesn't have to bust his ass to keep them in a game the entire time, they win because the other guys are contributing. That makes sense because he doesn't have to doesn't have to do it all. He just has to get them started, and when they all carry their, um, I don't want to say carry their weight because that like sounds like they don't carry their weight. You no, know? but when they carry their weight of, offensively, then it's not all reliant on him. And I mean, I know you don't like to be mean, but realistically, that's 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 the problem is that they haven't been carrying their weight. A lot of guys this season. Um, for especially in the month of December, we're not carrying their weight. So a lot? That seems like yes. a lot. Yeah, how, yeah. I mean, how many of them, what do you mean they weren't carrying C- their weight? CJ wasn't carrying his weight. Mo Harkless hasn't carried his weight but for five games this season. Um, okay, so got a big that's time two pass. people. Okay, Aminu got a big time pass for a long time. Um, Seth Curry took probably a month longer than it, uh, a lot of people expected to kind of figure things out. Um I'm not sure how long of a uh, – I'm not sure how long you mean for Aminu because he hasn't – he's had – he's had night. he's had struggles. He's had nights where he didn't – where he had, you know, it was one of six or whatever. But he also had a lot of nights where he was two of three. So anyway, 
I'm not going to fight with you about Aminu. We both appreciate Aminu, as we should. <laughs> but what you're saying is it took everybody a while to round into form to be able to shoot and carry their uh, carry their portion of the scoring so it didn't all end up being on Damien. Yes, very so much. If he, if he scores 40, that's awesome. It's not like, oh, God, Damien's going to have to score 40. Mm-hmm. To keep him in this game. Yeah, that's basically what it comes down to. And part of that, I think it was alleviated early on uh, when the, well, late mid-December when they started going more through through Nurkic as the secondary uh, creator. Um, and recently, McCollum has I've been really good because um, I've, I've been very critical of CJ, not just offensively, but his, like, what are the other things that he does kind of uh, situation. And realistically he has been very very good outside of um just scoring recently he's been rebounding incredibly well he's been uh getting assists he's been getting in passing lanes getting steals he's been better uh defensively like he's he's done a lot of things recently that have been very promising and it was it was it's very nice to see that he's finding ways to contribute outside of just box score scoring how about Hood? We haven't talked about him much. He hasn't had a real strong scoring uh, the last couple of games, but he seems to have a presence on the floor. What have you seen in him? Uh, Rodney, I think, has been – I think Rodney and Jake have both been really, really good um, post-All-Star break, and not necessarily in the sense of their production offensively. It's been timely production. Um, and I, I'm going to, I'm going to tip my cap to Mo right now because I've been harder on Mo than probably anybody not named Chad doing in Portland because not because I don't like Mo, but because I think he's a hell of a player and has a hell of a platform to be able to deliver and doesn't consistently enough. But with that, you look at a guy recently. Yes. And, and all of a sudden you don't need a new addition like Rodney hood to go crazy you don't need jake layman to play 30 minutes and give you 24 points but jake is still getting good a good healthy chunk of minutes and being productive rodney hood is coming in 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 moments being productive and it's, it's those shots that just weren't there for long stretches of the season like that that rally killing shot mm-hmm. or the rally starting shot they all of a sudden they're there. And they're coming from various different players, not just yeah. Damien. Not like, okay, it's Lillard time. Like It's, you know, five foot behind the line threes. No, you've got Jake Lehman running the baseline and dunking on Boban. <laughs> you've got Harkless getting out in transition. Hell, we had a Aminu to Harkless lob. Mm-hmm. Like, there's, there's that's got to be the first time that's happened. Okay, I just have to say this about Chief. You know, he hasn't missed a free throw in February. Oh, so you're just going to blow that out of the water, aren't you? And he's shooting 53.5% for the field and 50% from three. Mm-hmm. I know he has his moments, but I just want to make sure he gets his recognition for that. But also to to Harkless on the game in the game against Brooklyn, he had four assists and eight rebounds. Mm-hmm. I mean, I kept looking down at that game cast and seeing Harkless, and I was thinking, wow, Mo is there tonight. And I was wondering, because, you know, sometimes when he's on the floor, you don't notice him. And I was wondering, like, did you notice him, like, watching the game? Uh, that's, a, that's, that's a perfect, perfect way to describe it. 
That's exactly what I wanted to, that's how I wanted to frame that because he was making an impact and he should absolutely unequivocally make an impact every single night. He has all of the tools to be an impact player and there is no reason that he should not be. He's 6'8", 6'9", 225 pounds, <coughs> excuse me, athletic, has the ability to create off the bounce, is a, is a solid, capable defender with good basketball IQ. Like everything about him says, hey, I should be a very good two-way player. And so when he doesn't deliver on that end, you're sitting there going, well, what the hell's going on? But now we're seeing him actually be impactful on that end, and it's it's evident. Opponents know he's there because he's running the baseline regularly. There was actually a play when that 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 group was on the floor, Harkless and Minu Lehman uh, with Damon Nurk, where both Lehman and Harkless made a cut, and they kind of ran into each other. And I and I kind of laughed because I'm like, well, yeah, of course Jake's making a cut because Jake's realistically, <laughs> since he's been a regular part of the rotation, he's, he if he's not been the best, I need to take take a look at the numbers. He's been in the top three as far as as far as efficiency on the cut in the NBA. Like he's 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 that good. So I'm like, oh, it's a, of course Jake's making cuts, but Mo, Mo's making cuts, and like they ran into each other, and it was just kind of funny because they didn't actually. It, it just felt weird to actually see Mo take a cut. See them both do it. Yeah, and I was like, I, I'm look at all I'm, these options. Yeah, I'm like, <laughs> I just, I just kind of giggled like Mo, Mo made a cut, but Jake made a cut too. I just, I, I. I, 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 you know what? I, I don't care. I don't care how ugly this play looks right now. Yeah. I'm just happy they both got. <laughs> Mo is really tapped into something because, you know, against the 76ers too, he had five rebounds, two assists, three steals and two blocks. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's all over. It's, it's great. And I don't know what it is. I don't know if he's feeling better, if it was like just the rest that he got and he, you know, figured something out, went home, spent some time with his family and came back energized or whatever it was. <laughs> the home cooking in New York. I am like, I, I, whatever I it, it lasts. Was. Yes. Whatever it was, just, ah, just make it last. That's, yeah. that's, that's all I care about. Like, I just, it's, fru- it's frustrating because I want him to do well mm-hmm. and he should do well. So I'm just, and now he's been doing well. So yes, let's, but just... I've been, I've been, I've been trolled so many times, Tara, where it's like, I, Hey, he's gonna do it. He's gonna get it done, and then it doesn't happen. I'm just then I'm then I'm sad. Well, let's just focus on putting all that energy on Mo and not on you, who's being trolled. We'll just mm. we'll just channel all of that to Mo, and then hopefully you'll have something to say about Mo's signature move because you wrote that. I really like that article that you wrote about Damien's signature uh, signature play. Yeah, wanna, can you yourself. summarize that real briefly for people who may not have seen it? Yeah, so it's something I've, I've been watching, and I mean, you've watched the game with me, Tara. There's, there's like certain things where I, I won't watch a play. I'll, I'll watch, you know, what's going on in the backside of a play, or, or not necessarily the outcome of the play, but how it got to that. And with that, there's something I, I, I noticed over the last probably two months that Dame has really, really, really gone to that. Um, that baseline step back fade away in traffic. And it's a phenomenal shot. I mean, it's, it's, it's truly incredible. Like the, the balance and the skill and everything that goes with it. And runs from the top to the baseline and, and shoots it as he's fading away, basically yeah, it's, it's a, from either side. 
he's done it off dribble handoffs. He's done it off the pick and roll. He's done it in transition. Like he's done it in just about every capacity. And so it, it's clearly something he's worked on because I watched probably about, I think it was like a, like a hundred and twelve of them that he's taken and made this year. And it looks the same every single time. It's just a mere version of the other. And the amount of time and hours that was, was put into this to make it look that good and look that consistent is, is obscene because this, is, this isn't a shot that was there last year. If it was, it wasn't something he was using this much. And so I, I'm, I'm going through not necessarily every player, but I was gonna, I'm going to go through and look at a lot of, of different guys up and down the roster and see if I can find what's that one thing that, that's unique about them that's, that's kind of a signature move. Like, of course, Dame has his step back three or his jab step three, or, but there are guys out there who, who do it a little bit better. You've got Steph Curry, who's maybe the best ever at it, you know, the, the, the eight feet behind the line three. James Harden has taken 150 more step back threes than anybody else in the league, realistically. He, I think he's at a 400 and something. Like, it, it's an obscene number. Like, that's, that's his move. But that step back fadeaway, that's Damian Lillard's. That has become – and that's actually it's, – it's funny. You talked about how Portland got off to a slow start in Brooklyn. You know what the shot was that, that got Portland going? It was a step back fadeaway, one in the right corner, one in the left corner from Damian Lillard that kept them going early on in that game. And I was like – what I had already posted it and had it ready. I'm like, oh, this is going to be really, really timely writing <laughs> when this thing gets ready to pop the next day. But, yeah, I'm going to go through. I'm going to take a look at – or I have taken a look at a couple other guys. Uh, I'm trying to. I'm I'm kind of racking my brain about some of these, um, you know, some of these guys who who don't handle the ball, but who are, you know, who are catch and shoot guys. I mean, like, how does a guy who catches and shoots, how does he have the signature move when all he does is grab and shoot? Because there, there are little things that guys do to get open. There, there are, are ways that that people. There are ways that players use screens to get open. There are ways they set opponents up to get open. There are ways that they can lull somebody to sleep. Or there's just there's so many little things that go on. It just inside it's a, it's the game inside the game inside the game, and it's it's something that I've really really tried to take a look at just to try to find something new and unique and interesting and fun within each of these games. Mm-hmm. Well, cool. I, 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 fun, Tara. I know. I saw you having fun, and you got a little defensive about it. Ah, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta make sure everybody knows I like to have fun. <laughs> well, you've made. I thought it was your brand that you didn't have fun, so I was trying to call you out on that, and then you got all mad about it. And I was like, "Yeah, this is the Dan I know." Yeah, no, I, 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 I've always said it, and you've you've been there long enough on the podcast, and you've heard me say this before. I will have all of the fun and cheer on all of the good things if you give me good things to talk about. But Damien's been doing that all along. Oh, yeah. But that's what I mean. With, with Damien, it's easy. How, <laughs> when, when have I ever said anything negative about Dan? Come on. I know. He really is. So I, w- I spent the weekend with my family. It was my mother-in-law's 80th birthday. And I probably spent 75% of the time telling all my family about Damien Lillard. Well, I mean, spreading the gospel of Damian Lillard is not a bad thing. He's I mean, he's just so remarkable, and the the interview that he did with Chris Haynes, where he talked about why he hasn't asked to leave, was just it was so revealing of how complex he is. And not, I mean, I already I always knew he was, but 
how he thinks of himself as part of a whole as rather than just an individual. And it was just so outstanding the way he talked about how like if he was to move, it was going to affect everybody else. And I was just like, that is that's amazing. I mean, he's a treasure. We're so lucky. We are. I mean, realistically, it's it's been great to have Dame. And I hope he has those same thoughts, ideas, beliefs going forward. Well, it looks to me like the Blazers have added some pieces that I think it's going to make the team substantially better. What do you think? Do you think that I mean, I don't think that the Blazers are yet ready to challenge the Golden State Warriors. No, no. I think that I think that they've gotten better. And I think a lot of it is because of that continuity that nobody wants to really give any credit to. But I think a lot of it is because of that continuity and familiarity. And now they've just inserted at least one guy in Cantor and possibly another guy in Hood who are ready to go and ready to fill actual gaps that they had. I'm I'm willing to give some credence to the continuity, but I think it's a little overstated because if the continuity mattered that much now or matters this much now, it should have mattered as much then too. What do you, you mean? know what I mean? No. It's well, like if the continuity matters if if because the reason they're playing so well right now is because of continuity. What, what about the previous 45 games? Well, because the whole purpose of continuity is that it builds. And so you don't look at it just over 45 games. You look at it over three years. Okay. It, 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 if things are going well, it, it, you can't just like, oh, it's because of continuity. Well, no, I don't think that's the only thing. But I think that that was an, a fundamental part of their plan. Uh, I don't think you can plan on stumbling into to Rodney Hood and Enos Cantor. Like, well, I, listen, they laid the groundwork I, I think, for Enos Cantor a long time ago. To an extent, sure. I, I, I absolutely agree. But how different is this team right now if they spent $70 million on Enos Cantor in 2015? Yeah. So, I mean, it, it's it's a little I, – I, having positive relationships is never a bad thing. That, that's, mm-hmm. that doesn't go without saying. And, and if you want to talk about relationships in the NBA, a, a perfect way to look at this is it, who, it, who – um, Cantor is represented by Mark Bartlestein. Yeah. Uh, otherwise, who no, covers everybody else. <laughs> yeah, the same guy that represents Collins, the Harkless. I mean, it can go up and down the list. Like it's it's a pile of Blazers. Um, so having those positive relationships isn't a bad thing. And I'm not, I'm not trying to poo-poo the whole the Blazers are a better team. They are they are absolutely unequivocally are a better team right now. I think a part of that is, and Ed Davis and Evan Turner have both said it recently that Jake Lehman, it was always about him getting opportunity. Um, Ed, when they were in Brooklyn, said he wasn't surprised at all by Jake's production. It was just about him figuring it out for himself, production-wise, like just confidence-wise, getting out on the floor. And like we, we've heard some of the the legend tales about Jake Lehman in practice, where he was a guy that just went absolutely nutty, um, or was had a potential to go absolutely crazy. So that part of it, if you want to call that continuity, okay, cool, I, I can go with that. Um, but getting a double double machine like Ennis Cantor, I think, plays more into this than just continuity. Getting a wing in Rodney Hood, who is a multifaceted inside outside and and capable of creating his own shot off the bounce, I think that says more than just continuity. Does continuity play a part in this? Absolutely. But I think to an extent, it's been overstated. Yes. Mm. No. Yeah, I mean, I don't want I don't want to say whether it's been overstated or understated, but I I think it is a 
an important factor in the identity of this team and in who Damian Lillard is. Because when you look yes. at him and everything that he said over all of his career, every story that he has told has been about some team where it was him and it was his guys and they stuck together. That has been – that's the kind of continuity I'm talking about where they're they're in it together. They're all – you know, they're all learning, they're all growing together and they are his people and he's not trying to, I mean, I don't think he would say no if Anthony Davis or, you know, if they'd gotten in on the Jimmy Butler sweepstakes back when he was leaving, you know, Minnesota or whatever, if some star mm-hmm. had come. But I don't know that it would have been effective to like bring Carmelo Anthony in, you know, and when they'd been building up all of these other things, I think it, you know, would have been like, maybe it could have been, would have been like a band aid, which would have worked for a while but I don't know that it would have worked any better than things have worked out now, I guess, is what I'm saying. I, I can go with that. Um, for me, I, I, I've been plenty harsh of, of Neil O'Shea on things that have not worked out. Um, so I will give credit where credit's due as far as being able to sign a player of consequence in Ennis Cantor off the buyout market. Like, I didn't think there was a snowball's chance in hell that they would be able to pull that off. And so well, part of continuity, that pays off, certainly. And I also wonder how much, because I don't know how much did or you know didn't happen at this trade line or the tra- trade deadline or the last trade deadline or whatever, <laughs> but it seems like also having a plan in place if these big free agency pushes, if these big trades didn't go through, they had you, you know a good foundation to fall back on that was at least good enough to keep Damian Lillard. I mean, you got to give him a little credit for that too. I would think. Mm. <laughs> okay. Well, while you think about that, let's quickly talk about the upcoming games for this week. Uh, God, it is so good to have basketball back. Oh my god. Yeah, the All Star break's a nice break, but then you get done. You're like, okay, for the love of God, can I have it back now? Please, 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 please. You know, I finally figured out because you know how it's like the All Star break really isn't halfway through; it's more like two thirds or three quarters of the way through. Yeah, they just keep pushing it back further and further. And well, further. and I finally figured it out. It's because you know, like for the teams that go all the way to the finals, it really is halfway. Yeah, I mean, sure. pretty much. Like in terms of like the calendar, I think it's much more. It's it's pretty much halfway if you look at somebody who goes all the way. Yeah. So, and those are the teams that you want to make sure, you know, have the rest and are, you know, can, can make it go all the way. So anyway, so Portland has Cleveland, Boston and Toronto all on the road. Oh my God. I cannot believe they started two and oh, I'm so excited. It's just, I feel like it could all fall off the rails at any time. That having been said, (laughs) Cleveland, not the strongest team in the league, although they do have Kevin Love back and he's now back to putting up some pretty gaudy numbers. Um, you know, what are what are going to be the keys to beating Cleveland and Boston and Toronto on the road? I mean, just realizing, as far as Cleveland goes, just take care of business. Mm-hmm. All of the, the positive capital that you've gained by handling Philadelphia, I get that they were sans Embiid, um, but handling them, taking care of Brooklyn, um, having these... These productive games from Cantor, not relying on Damian Lillard, not overextending guys and having to play your your stars 38 minutes a game to make sure you stay in the hunt for a top four seed. If you go out and screw up and drop a game to the Cavs, that, that crap goes out the window. 
because this is the this is the game that then you're trying to back to panicking again. Yeah, this is the game that you put in your back pocket and go, yeah, that's the one we're counting on. And then the other stuff is gravy. But if you if you drop the one you're counting on, that's that's where you run into stuff, and that's that's just never good. So uh, take care of business there. Do any of these teams have centers that you know backup centers who may Marcus Soul? Yeah. <laughs> is is he going to be a problem for Cantor though? Because it seems to me that I yeah, mean, is Soul it... is still he's still plenty plenty fine. Boston, I have to check the let's take take a look at old old uh, in street clothes here and see if we can't find if Aaron, Aaron Baines is their their backup. I think. Yep, it's just a matter of who's going to be healthy or not for them. Cause they're they're even though they had uh, the, the break, they are still pretty nicked up as a team. Yeah. They, and also Al, how, how does, how does Nurkic match up against Al Horford? Horford's a guy that no matter who he's up against, just finds a way to get things done. So I, I'll, I'll believe in Horford until, you know, otherwise. Yeah. Um, but it, it should be a good opportunity for Portland finally has length. Yeah, exactly. So it, it should be a good opportunity for them to kind of figure these things out. Um, Tristan Thompson is going to be out for Cleveland, probably. Um, trying to think as far as uh, Toronto goes, they've they've got size. I mean, and they've, they've got some length they can play with. So um, that that should be a good test. I really wanted to see Embiid. I really want to see how this lineup did against Embiid. Because I have a reeling suspicion they're not getting 20 offensive rebounds with Joel Embiid playing 30 minutes. Right. So um, let's let's see how they do against uh, a team that can match them, you know, with a little bit of size. Because if if you're starting Embiid and you've got Boban coming off the bench, maybe things are a little bit different. Mm-hmm. But that's I mean that's them the breaks, right? Yeah. So let, let's see. I, I want to see a team at full health. I want to see Portland take on Toronto. Um, and and see how they look against uh, Blazers. Um, Who, which Blazer do you think has the best opportunity to shine this week? Well, let's see if Mo can keep it going. Mm-hmm. That's a good one. I, I I really like to see. Like, listen, I'm not I'm not asking for Mo to give me 20 points a night. I don't. If you are, you're crazy. Like that, that's cool. That's that's awesome that you have that much faith. Just be a consistent producer on both ends. And hell, even more than that, I will settle for give me consistent effort on both ends. Because when Mo Harkless is giving you effort, you can see it. It's there. I mean, he's running the floor. He's getting after it. You can see the anticipation and him shooting a, a, a gap in a passing lane like a free safety. And then when it's not, it's just it's not bad. But it leaves he. There's no player on this team that leaves you wanting more than Mo Harkless when he's not engaged. And when he's engaged, it's like, yeah, there you go. That's exactly what this team needs. So that, that's what I want to see. Okay, that, I think that's fair enough. How about how about Mr. Jake Lehman? I, I think Jake's a guy who is just going to – he's going to give it to you. I, I don't think you're going to – at least right now, I don't think you're going to have to worry about Jake Lehman giving you effort. Did you see the quote that came out about Jake from college? No. So Matt Allen Tuck, who writes for SB Nation, apparently was covering Jake when he was at Maryland. Oh, you talked about this last week. He wanted to be like Bruce Bowen and uh, AJ Reddick. No, who? Chandler Parsons. Chandler Parsons. Listen. And, I, and Bruce Bowen. 
Yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong. The Chandler Parsons jokes are going to be hilarious. But when Parsons was healthy, he was a hell of a player. Mm-hmm. And the other part of this is both Parsons and Bowen, you know what they were? They were effort guys. Mm-hmm. And so I just – I look at that and I'm like, you know, if if that's the guy that we're talking about with Jake, I'm like, I'm, I'm cool with that. I love this swing back east where everybody else is getting turned on to Jake Lehman, where everybody else is discovering him, like all the Eastern other announcers and yeah. – <laughs> Yeah, the, the, the uh, who is this guy? Yeah, you know? and then the obligatory, in layman's terms, mentions yeah. that everybody has to give. <laughs> but I I love this is coming out party. I did not, I have never heard Ennis the Menace. And I heard Lamar drop it, and I was like, that is fantastic. I am all about this. And then I went to Basketball Reference, and it, it, it was, was listed there. It was listed there. <laughs> it, I was like, I thought Lamar had like really, really workshopped one. And again, I was like, I was, I was hyped for him. Cause I was like, that's, that's good. That's, that's quality there. And then. Oh, <sighs> the, the, just the trash talking and the standing up for their players. I didn't, again, didn't uh, see uh, it, but I certainly caught it. And I caught uh, his, the Nurkic and Ben Simmons, the uh, the part that was just kind of mind blowing to me is like when you look at Simmons's numbers and Nurkic's numbers, uh, I, that's well, the, it, that's the pot calling the kettle Australian. It got it goes back to what you were saying about the other team having to fight against a seven footer um, who's coming at them the entire game because we just you know slip one in right after the other. But in addition to just like you know, them constantly hitting the boards and shooting and, you know, scoring. They're also trash talking you and defending all of their other uh, friends on the team. And it's just like, oh, my gosh, the other teams just must I can't believe they just added Cantor. <laughs> I mean, it's been really, really fun to see the Blazers play the Warriors and cause a bunch of Hall of Famers to melt down. Right. And they didn't even have Cantor. They didn't even have Cantor for that yeah. game. And then you see um, they played Brooklyn, and they don't. Well, they didn't cause anybody to melt. It was a very down. polite game because it, half the Brooklyn team was former Trailblazers. Yes, but you had some really, really good back and forths with with Ed. You had some good back and forths with Allen and Shabazz. Like there was, there was, it was, it was chippy, but in the most cordial way, right? And then you get the the Philly game, and it was no so love lost there. Hell, and it was. I love that. I I want the team that I love, that I root for, that I cover to go out there and be hated. <laughs> go into their opponent's arena and get in their head. Be, I want them to boo you. Don't don't be don't be dirty, dirty, but be disliked. I <laughs> I want that. I crave that from my team. Right. Well, I I'm pretty sure that the other teams are uh not looking forward to playing the I don't know maybe I'm wrong maybe maybe this is just a magical little two game I don't know but it sure has been fun and it really feels to me like it's possible that it's going to carry on if you want to see something and you it, I don't know if it says much about Philadelphia but go to Nurkic's Instagram and the post that he put up dog a little 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 shade at Ben Simmons but what was the best about it was all of the 76ers fans 
that that hopped in to comment and that's when you know that's when you know yeah. it's working <laughs> when well. you've made it <laughs> when, when all of the fans are just livid and calling you trash and your garbage and this and that when you when you're riling up fan bases love it i want to know you've made it yeah i'm just like <laughs> yes absolutely give me all of that well let's wrap it up and uh, we, you know, see how things go this week. See if they can keep up the momentum. I certainly hope they can. Um, Blazers Edge Night has been covered thanks to big assists from Myers Leonard and all of the other people who uh, have given before and after um, this year and other years, and people who are going to give, you know, in years to come. Everybody who's made uh, Blazers Edge Night something special for over two thousand kids. It's happening again this year. Thank you for everyone. Yeah, it's to go from needing a nearly a thousand tickets to four days later having it covered and then some. That's pretty awesome. cool feeling. Yeah, pretty yeah. cool feeling. So uh, just to wrap it up, you can find me at TCB Biggs on Twitter. You can also follow um, Blazers Edge at Blazers Edge, and you can visit us at BlazersEdge.com. Dan, why don't you take us out of here? All right, folks, you can find me on the social media at DMARANG, at D-M-A-R-A-N-G, uh, Twitter, Snapchat. I don't even know if I even had that on you my phone. Snapchat? Yeah, I think I actually am still. I think I take my phone and I take the apps. Yeah, it's still there. Wow. Just haven't logged in in nine months. Instagram, anywhere else. Uh, it's all the same. Also, you can find Joe, Shane, and I, not just on TV, but Wednesday at the Rialto. That's downtown on 4th. We're doing another live show. They're having us back down there. So it's an early game or, or earlier game. It's not quite the uh, 10 o'clock start that we had this weekend, but we got another one of those coming up too. So, um, But we will be at the Rialto on Wednesday night, Wednesday afternoon, whenever you recall. We'll be down there about 4 o'clock. So if you want to come down, catch the game with us, come on down, have some fun, um, talk some hoop, watch the game together, and Maybe we'll uh, take some questions from the audience. We do that from time to time. So just looking forward to that. Other than that, uh, I think that's about it. And we'll catch everybody next week. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that, that's right. Isn't it next week? Yeah, I'll be I'll be here. I don't nope. know what you'll be doing, but I'll be here. Barring, barring snow apocalypse, Tara, we'll be here. Um, all right. Well, I guess we'll catch everybody next week. See you later. Bye.